What is up, designers and decorators? Welcome. This is Timothy from the ID Consultant Podcast, and I hope you're having a fantastic day. I had a client meeting today, and we were talking about a lot about the business practices of design and really like what that entails. And I know that there's a ton of shit out there in regards to how to run a business and even more so into your design business. And it was a really interesting question for a client to ask that, but it wound up opening up a door of an amazing conversation that I've never had with a client before. Of course, it prompted me to think of 10 business practices that I think are the best business practices to successfully run a design firm. So without further ado, number one, is paying attention to your hours. This I struggled with so fucking much in for, for years actually, up until probably about two years ago, I always struggled with managing time. And even if you're charging flat rate, you have to keep track of your time. And there's a couple of reasons for this. Number one, the more you keep track of your time, the better you're gonna be at time management. The second reason is because you'll get into situations where even if you're flat rate, your clients can come back and say, oh, well, what did you spend time on? and blah, 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 and kind of, you know, uh, just making it seem like you're not working when you really are. That way, if that ever happens, you could say, hey, client, look, this is my timesheet. This is everything that we work on, and this is the hours that were put into your project. It just makes it look better and more professional. The other reason is if you're an hourly designer, of course, it's no-brainer. You have to keep track of your hours in order to bill correctly. Paying attention to those hours can also help you on your project management. Let's say, for example, you're in the middle of a kitchen renovation and you're not paying attention to your time. And I'm not just saying about like what time it is. I'm talking about paying attention to how long you're there. There's been situations on big projects where I've been, I was there, and this actually just happened not too long ago, but I was there and it wasn't an hourly project. It was a flat rate project because I was doing a client a favor. And I was there with the contractor and we were talking about the project. And I realized like 10 minutes later that I had spent the last almost two hours there and I didn't even realize it. And so downfall of that is that's two hours that I could have kind of condensed into just 30 minutes to 45 minutes or even an hour. And then I could have utilized that time for another project or could have utilized that time for, you know, doing some other work that's that's important or just as important. Not saying that, that you know, spending time with the contractor is not important. It certainly is. But using that time to spend elsewhere to be able to get more things done because you're, you know, having a lot more time on your hands. So paying attention to your hours is really, really important. There are also a lot of tools out there, like time management tools where you can clock your hours. But I'm all traditional. I I like to write everything down. I actually have a job journal. Every page is like another day, and I keep track of like the time I leave my office, the time I arrive to my client's house, the mileage, obviously, for write-offs, the time that I leave my client's house, and the time I get back to the office. And then even if I'm going to like a showroom to grab material, it's the same thing. Time I leave the office, time I arrive to the showroom, everything is tracked. And I know it's it's a it's a fucking daunting task. It's it's so much to handle literally tracking your time like that, but you really have to because if you don't, time will literally slip through your fingers. Discuss pricing second. This is number two, by the way. Discuss pricing second and the client's needs first. So discussing pricing second is actually a strategic move because you don't ever want to start like a client meeting off with, oh, by the way, I charge 175 an hour and it's going to be about like six grand. You always want to discuss like clients' expectations first and their needs and all of like that, hey, let's get to know each other first. 
Because at that point, then you're building the relationship. And then the second meeting is when you talk about pricing. So you kind of recap the first meeting. Then you talk about pricing and contracting and all of that business-oriented things. And that's actually stuff that I have done myself. And I figured that by talking about pricing first, it always puts clients very much on the edge. And of course, you can't really get away from that if you are the type that during the first meeting, you're kind of getting to know each other. And then if the client has said, oh, well, how much do you charge? It's hard to kind of dodge that question. So what I usually say if a client asks that first and foremost is I would love to discuss that, but I definitely want to get with my team and talk about your project, figure out a good you know, action plan for your project. And then we can come back and schedule another meeting that will discuss all of it. And I never get kickback from that even. So I think it's important to talk about pricing at the second meeting and not talk about it on the first. Then we go into clear pricing structure. This is kind of tying into the number two, but it's a separate thing because I've seen so many contracts that that designers have sent me to review. And while I'm not a lawyer, of course, I do provide that in consulting because I look at it as a on, on a client's perspective, right? Like if I were a client looking at your contract, I bring up issues within the contract that a client might bring up and then it gets you thinking but it's always best to have someone look over your contract for you whether it be a lawyer or um, it could even be a friend and say hey if you were a client how how would you react to this in any case in that contract there should be a clear pricing structure how exactly are you going to charge outline every single detail make sure that there's any fees that are involved in there, make sure they're outlined because then you can't really collect on them later. If you forget to collect on them, you can't fall back on the contract. And trust me, that's happened to me many times as well. So just make sure that your pricing structure is clear, outline every little detail in regards to when you're expecting payments, how much those payments are gonna be for, and pretty much anything you can think of. What happens when your client defaults on a payment? Are, are you going to give them a specific time frame to submit payment? I actually provide up to five calendar days, not business days, because business days are Monday through Friday. So I specifically do calendar days because I always bill on Friday evenings for my hourly clients. But the weekend is still part of those amount of days. But I, do, I still provide you know a decent amount of time frame for a client to submit payment just because I know that they're busy and I don't really... I understand that payments can't be submitted right then and there when an invoice is sent. Next, clear contract, no questions. So that kind of ties back to what I was saying about making sure every clause in your contract is black and white, crystal clear, all T's crossed, I's dotted, and make sure there's no questions. Make sure that you, if you read your contract, it needs to make sense. And try not to get your lawyer involved in regards to writing your contract. I would just get your lawyer to make sure that the contract is enforceable. And the reason why is because lawyers tend to write in a very technical uh, technical way that normal people just don't understand. There's different kind of writing that lawyers have that is very, very unique to lawyers specifically. And it's really hard when you get clients that are seeing that contract, they become very, very intimidated. So at least in my contract, I've I've, I've kind of humanized it in a sense that I, I make sure that it makes sense. And if there's not anything or if there's something in there that that doesn't make sense, then make sure to bring that up in, you know, any kind of meeting with the contract and client. And, you know, we kind of hash everything out then. So it's important to make sure that all of that's outlined and your client is 110% aware of what's happening in your contract. Because the last thing you want is your client to say, I don't understand your contract, therefore I'm not hiring you. Because 
they don't feel like they have any kind of trust with you. They feel like, you know, it's kind of like if you read a contract, oh, well, let's put it this way. How many of you have actually read any kind of terms and conditions to a page? You always just check that box. And if you're that small percentage that actually goes and reads that, I'm just gonna clap for you because I never do. And to give you an example of what can be in those contracts, or those terms and conditions, for iTunes and Apple, it literally says no purchases of anything on iTunes or Apple are refundable. So therefore, any in-app purchases you, you do or any purchases that you make for an app, you technically are not entitled to a refund regardless of any situation. So there's a little tidbit for you. Next, collect payment first and design second. This is huge because I know so many designers who they charge like Ethan Allen does. It's like free design services, but they're getting paid by the sale of furniture. While that's a good structure, that's really only for seasoned designers where you have a consistent uh, income from repetitive clients. And it doesn't work for newer designers and even, you know, somewhat seasoned designers that, but, but if you don't get consistent clients that are contacting you back for, you know, continued work, then you kind of, there's there's no trust factor there. You can literally have a client that hires you and says, hey, I want you to do all this work and, you know, I'll pay you when the work is done and then they just not pay you. The chances of you taking them to court are very slim and they understand that. And if you don't have a collection agency to work with, if a client defaults on that payment, then really it's just gonna go nowhere. I mean, you could try to sue them, but unfortunately states like California, they are very much consumer oriented. And I've taken two clients to court before and have somewhat lost. And I say somewhat, it's because the judge ordered them to pay a lot less than what they actually owed me. So it was kind of a loss, but it was kind of a win. So always collect payment first to ensure that whatever work you're going to do, it's paid for. And not to mention, it's only right because you're doing work, right? It's mostly for those designers really that are charging for the sale of the furniture rather than design services. So, you know, always collect payment first and make sure that that payment goes through and you're good. So next is use a project management tool to stay on track. I... I have my own custom coded project management tool that has a client side where I can, you know, keep all of my information there. So there's other project management tools like Ivy or Studio Webware. I think I discussed a few of those on my episode for tools to use as a designer, but using a project management tool to stay on track is probably the best thing you can do because you're writing everything down, you're keeping all your notes for your clients, you are keeping all notes from contractors and so on and so forth. So using that tool is really good business practice because it'll keep you you know, on track and most likely on budget. And it's a really great tool to manage your time as well. Then we go into using a non-refundable initiation fee. And I learned this the hard way because I've had clients where I did stuff for, I asked for a payment up front. And because I didn't specify that it was a non-refundable fee, they wound up doing a chargeback because they were unhappy with one part of the project. And ergo, they felt that they shouldn't pay anything, period. And regardless of the fact that the work was done, always use a non-refundable initiation fee and also be careful to, to not use the terms like retainer or deposit. And the reason why is because those terms are actually meant for refunds. And if a client says, oh, there was a, a deposit that was put on theoretically and according to the courts, that client is entitled to that money back if the contract fails. So you wanna be really careful to not use terms that would otherwise put you more in a financial hole if things go south. 
you want to keep you know obviously the money that you are entitled to next set timeline expectation ex expectations wow <laughs> set timeline expectations and process expectations so we talked about the process of interior design at least from my side and if you've already grabbed which was a really popular checklist that I had or a cheat sheet but if you had grabbed the process and you've built upon your own set that expectation to your client as well and make them understand your process as a designer because maybe they've worked with another designer or maybe they just don't know the process but the more open you are about your process and the expectation about the process and the timeline for which you can get things done the easier it is for your client to be more at ease about your work then we go into be open and communicate with your clients and actually number 10 kind of ties into that with listening to your clients but I think listening always comes first right you always want to listen to your clients listen to their needs I think that's a no-brainer for a business practice you know being able to listen to your clients is a skill set that not many have I've even dealt with designers who have yelled at their clients because they felt the client was doing something wrong don't yell at your clients it's just gonna make the situation worse but also be open and communicate with your clients communication is the number one key to the success of a project I literally cannot stress that enough the communication between you and your client is crucial. And I've been in many situations where the client starts to talk to the contractor and they start making plans and I'm out of the loop. And then guess what? Because the client did not communicate that to me, I didn't know of any changes. Ergo, that caused a lot of problems. There are my 10 business practices. I'm going to reiterate them all kind of just saying it, but pay attention to your hours. Discuss pricing second and the client's needs first. Clear pricing structure clear contract with no questions, collect payment first and design second, use project management tools to stay on track, use non-refundable initiation fees, but don't use the words deposit or retainer in your contract, set timeline expectations and process expectations to your clients, be open and communicate with them, and more importantly, listen to your clients. I also wanted to take this opportunity to thank everyone who had purchased the designer toolkit. It is blowing up. I'm so happy about it. It's been helping a lot of people with getting into the design industry. For those of you who are graduating college or starting out on your own from, you know, going from an actual design firm, this toolkit goes through branding. It goes through marketing. It goes through so much stuff on how to actually build your design firm. And if you're already built and maybe you want to rebrand, it's a really great tool kit as well so maybe look into it but definitely thanks so much for your support on that i'm so happy if you have any questions whatsoever of course you know my email it's timothy at the thanks so much for listening be sure to subscribe and be sure to rate i would really really appreciate an honest review thanks again i hope you guys have a wonderful day namaste